Welcome to Discussions of Music, Healing, and Consciousness with your hosts, Chris Noble and Bill Protzman. On this podcast, Chris and I offer a spontaneous, ongoing conversation about how music is intertwined with healing and consciousness. Our first season helped lay the foundation and build some of the superstructure for what we want to do here in Season 2, where we'll be welcoming some intriguing guests, going deeper into ancient mysteries and wisdom, and cultivating your background knowledge and curiosity. We hope these discussions will inspire your own study and practice of the musical and healing arts, and that your contribution to advancing world consciousness will be satisfying for you and transformative to those around you. Let's get started. 432 hertz, right? Well, because you prompted this bill because you had a client, right? Where yeah. it came up yet again. And I get this. I'm doing a presentation tomorrow on uh, music uh, meditations and, and sound healing. So, of course, I'm going to bring up 432 hertz as well in that. And it's just, it's, it's something that keeps coming up. I think the general population is now becoming curious about this. If they hear about it, they're like, what will what what what's about that who cares what's this all about yeah and i think for today we don't have to dive necessarily into all the specifics around 432 hertz but where this number really starts to have let's say um relevance and where it starts to link up to so many other parts just outside of the out way outside of the aspect of the tuning of 432 hertz it's that it's coming in, we're going to bring it into a form of geometry so you know i've heard these things like music is geometry geometry is music they're interchangeable in a sense what geometry is is how we physically observe music and what music is is how we hear geometry so they're okay. almost yeah you know, they're one in the same thing in a sense and a lot of ancient thinkers like pythagoras talk about this they don't really separate sound and geometry they're essentially the same thing and we know that this is also prevalent when we look at things like cymatics right which is sure what yes sound vibrating through a physical medium looks like but this video i've got for us today that we can watch in a, in a couple of minutes and then probably spend easily the rest of the episode dissecting it it goes into and then we're gonna have of course this will be in the show notes for you beautiful people listening uh and watching this i highly recommend watching the whole thing it's called sonic geometry and it's a short little half an hour documentary on mathematics, geometry, and sound, and how they all link beautifully together. And I am not a math guy. And yet, after watching this documentary, I'm floored at the beauty of mathematics and how it can describe everything. And this is why when you know you hear of other people wanting to reach out to extraterrestrials and have contact, one of the main forms of communication that they use is math, because math is a universal, right? Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Right. And even and then what's the second universal that they're using to communicate would be sound. And we actually get hints of that in movies like Close Encounters of the Third, Fifth, the Fifth Kind, the Spielberg film. Um, there's oh, that right. scene. Yes. Um, the, when the Close craft, Encounters of the Third Kind. Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Yeah, the third is where you make contact. Like first, Excuse is all you, me. you guess, second, you observe and third, you make contact. There's a documentary that's Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind because right. it's all about how to how to make contact with yes. extraterrestrials. Yes, I know what you were getting, thinking. Getting my things confused. <laughs> yeah, 
there's so many kinds. There's so many 5D kinds. Consciousness, 3D consciousness. What the hell? Who can keep track, right? There's so much going on in this beautiful planet. So, so this movie, as you know, the classic Spielberg film of uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Uh, towards the end of the film, they make contact. The the craft descends into this mountain, basically, and then they have a device that plays what you're gonna hear in this documentary, basically, different musical tones and harmonies. Sure because that is how they have discovered is also a universal form of communication. So May I just for a second, because that please. Yes. Thank you, Bill. Right. <laughs> and the other song that was from that is oh, wow. when you wish upon a star, I think was the other. Is it when you wish upon a star or uh, correct me if I'm an audience, fill me in here. Let us know in the comments. We can, yeah. I can't remember either. So uh, yeah, hit it. Let's let me. I'll highlight you and let's let's see the video. Yeah, let's take a look at this. And uh, about six minutes, roughly. Uh, and and again, it goes into so much more. So check out the link in the description. And uh, we're just going to show you a quick little snippet of this today. Um, let me know if this uh, this if you can hear it properly. I'm sharing sound, so that should work. Here's where a deeper mystery begins to emerge. And to explore it, we will need to go back to Pythagoras' other passion, geometry. It is not an exaggeration to say that to Pythagoras and his disciples, geometry and math held a key to the nature of all life everywhere, and maybe it does. Let's look at the first four geometric shapes, the circle, triangle, square, and pentagon. In each of them are angles of degrees that when added together, always total a specific number relative to that particular shape. For instance, if we take a triangle, the sum total of all three interior angles is always 180. For both the square and circle, it is 360. For a pentagon, it is 540. Now at this moment, let's step back and look at these numbers in a different way, as there seems to be something about them that reaches beyond a simple sum of angles. Did you notice that they happen to be in the same numerical neighborhood as tone 432? What's more, they all add up to nine, just like 432. As an experiment, let's take a look at the numbers found in basic geometric shapes then apply those numbers as vibration cycles to hear the tones they produce. First, let's listen to what the 180 total degrees contained in a triangle sound like. And here's a squares and circles 360 in cycles per second. A perfect octave up from the triangle. What about the pentagon at 540? That sounds like a harmonic fifth of the other two. That's interesting. What are these tones? They are F sharp and it's perfect harmonic fifth of C sharp. Let's keep going. What does a hexagon 720 sound like? Another F sharp. Here's a seven-sided septagon, which totals 900. This is an A sharp which happens to be the note required to complete an F-sharp major chord in perfect three-part harmony. And finally, the octagon, where we get 1080, another C-sharp. Suddenly, geometry is expressed by tones, and these tones just happen to create the most beautiful form of music a perfect three-part major chord in the key of F-sharp.
Is this something we've been missing for years? Is it important? To the famous philosopher and mathematician Plato, the answer would have been a resounding yes, for it is Plato who advanced the study of two-dimensional geometry into three-dimensional geometry, and who began to recognize that nature, whether expressed as a tone, the petal design of a flower, or the spiraling design of a seashell, seemed to follow a 3D mathematical pattern. In fact, it became an obsession of Plato to try and find the simplest three-dimensional geometric shapes, and his quest ultimately revealed what we now call the Platonic solids. In essence, these forms represent the most elemental construction blocks found both in human-made and natural forms. So let's see if and how they fit into our geometry tone grid. First, there is the tetrahedron, or a three-sided pyramid comprised of four interlocking triangles. As we did before, Let's add up all the angles found in those four triangles. The answer, 720, which we have already seen is the tone F-sharp. Next, we have the cube, whose six 360-degree squares totals 2160. What does it sound like? Twenty-one sixty is a high C sharp, and as you will see later, a very interesting number for other reasons as well. Next up is the octahedron, constructed of eight triangles. This shape totals fourteen forty, which is another perfect F sharp higher up the scale. The icosahedron is made up of twenty triangles, so the total number of degrees is thirty-six hundred. As a tone, 3600 vibration cycles create the A-sharp needed to complete yet another F-sharp major chord that sounds like this. At this point, we have So yeah, I'm just going to stop it there. There's so much more to dive into. He also goes into... Um... Oh, you know what? I will. I'm going to play this one more part. Excuse me for stopping this prematurely. He also goes into explain and and showcase the sound of what the flower of life, which is a very famous geometric shape. You can see this at many ancient sites around the world. It's actually at the Osirion. I saw it at the Osirion in Egypt. The Osirion is a uh, a temple complex. We don't understand it all. It was buried underneath a, an already ancient temple. They found this less than 100 years ago. Uh, it's extremely complex in its construction. Huge megalithic blocks that build this thing. There's no hieroglyphs anywhere. But on one of the blocks hidden at the top left corner is the Flower of Life, a geometric uh, set of circles that all come together to form the Flower of Life. And it's like lasered into the rock. No one knows how they did it. So anyway, this symbol is extremely important throughout uh, all of history. And now we're going to hear what that actually sounds like when you reduce. And just so for the watching and listening audience, what he's done is he's taken just the angle. So you talk about the triangle, right? It's no matter what you do to a triangle shape, it always adds up to 180 degrees. So all he's done is he's taken the number of the degree and just convert that to hertz and plug it in so what he's doing is he's playing 180 hertz and then 520 hertz or whatever whatever the different uh, additions of the angles of this geometry is he's he's just taking out angle and replace it with hertz 
and just plug it in. And this is what we're hearing. Everything is in these perfect F sharp major chords. I mean, it's just um, unbelievable. So here we got but one more minute left of this. I'll stop talking and uh, we'll, we'll hear what the flower of light, life sounds like. Seen how two and three dimensional geometry can be expressed by the notes found in an F sharp major chord. Could this also be true with what is known as sacred geometry? To find out, we will first need to build a design called the germ of life, which when repeated goes on to reveal the seed of life, then flower of life pattern found at sacred sites all over the world. First, we start with a circle at 360 degrees, which is the familiar F sharp. We then add our second circle, bringing the total to 720, another F sharp. Three circles totals 1080, which provides the harmonic fifth of C sharp. Four circles is 1440, another F sharp. Five circles totals 1800, or the A sharp needed to once again provide the harmonic third of an F sharp major chord. And finally the sixth circle, which brings the total to 2160, another C sharp. Amazing. It's as if we can now both see and hear the flower of life pattern that has intrigued humankind for thousands of years. So now we have two-dimensional geometry, three-dimensional geometry, and even sacred geometry being represented by different variations of an F-sharp major chord. How is this not common knowledge? How have we missed this connection? There are... Then he goes into all these reasons as to why and, and a whole bunch of other really cool stuff. So I'll stop sharing now, Bill, and we can uh, just dissect a lot of the incredible stuff that that was put out here. I mean, even one of the things that jumps out at me, and there's so many things that jumped out at me but just really quickly, is this power of the number nine. You know, and Nikola Tesla talks about if you understood the significance of three, six, and nine, you would understand the keys to the whole universe. Well, the number nine is prevalent in every geometric form because it all reduces to nine. 180 degrees, one plus eight plus zero is nine. You know, all of these shapes reduced to the number nine. And I'm not a math guy, and yet I'm becoming obsessed with how cool the math is on all this stuff. <laughs> yeah. Did you hear the harmonic progression? Yeah. Un unbelievable. Well, I mean, it makes perfect sense in some ways because it's physics. And music basically, or this, the physics of a note, at least when it occurs naturally, um, do this. They make these harmonics. So it's not a surprise to me. In fact, it's kind of imposing, if you will, uh, sacred geometry on the physics of sound. But you could go the other way around too, right? And it makes perfect sense. Either way you look at it, it adds up. And it's interesting to me that these are not microtones. These are very specific intervals that are consonant to our way of hearing, at least in the West. But I wonder what would happen if you reduced everything by two hertz and forgot about all of the sacred geometry for a minute. Would you still get the same harmonics that are perfectly aligned with each other? So instead of starting at 180 hertz, you started at 172 hertz. Hmm. That's a really good question, Bill. I mean, this is where the experimentation is going to have to come in. Um, you know, I, I the the gentleman that put this uh, documentary together, his research is is pretty incredible, and his name is Eric uh, Rankin, I believe. Yeah, Rankin, uh, Eric Rankin, and you know, he one of the bits of feedback and criticism of some of his theories was, well, those numbers are kind of arbitrary, although they're not in a sense. When you're taking, like I said, you're taking 
specific degrees of a shape yeah. and then a just, geometry geometric shape regular you know, geometric so shapes yeah you know? so it's not necessarily arbitrary um but if you argued that he basically in another lecture i've watched of his he does um he he takes that argument and he shows that the numbers that he's coming up with are are definitely not arbitrary but um i don't exactly know the explanation of that uh of that one specifically i gotta watch his lecture again uh so it's a good question bill like what what, what would happen if you start switching up these numbers would you get these perfect harmonies or because, would things i mean if, if you let's say um so he's using 180 hertz or f sharp as his sort of fundamental there because that's the number that starts with the most simple two-dimensional shape that we know um it's got to be a closed geometric shape for you to get to that. Yeah. But one of the things that he gets to is um, somewhere between 360 and 540, you're going to get to 432 hertz, which does not reduce to a simple geometric shape that we know. <laughs> not the shape, no. The number reduces to nine, but well, the it, shape it's, itself... It's numerology is nine, but let's say... So he has 432. Let's say it's in between... 540 and 360. So um, 540 is the fifth an octave above F sharp. Yeah. So we've got to find what the fundamental is for 432 hertz, of which the 432 hertz is the second fundamental, right? Yeah. And um, that could be done mathematically. But my point here is that it's not going to be 180, right? So yeah, this is tricky, <laughs> you know, and, and I want to know how that relates. I mean, lots of numbers add up to nine. I'm good with that. Um, there's probably a finite set of them that if you took three of them and you could add it up to nine, if one of them is zero, I suppose you get uh, slightly more, you know, one and eight, seven and two, like all of these do add up to nine, um, all the way up right on through all the harmonics in F sharp, which is fascinating, right? I've got something, Bill. Later in the documentary, there's a there's a grid that he brings up uh, of all these factors that relate off of 432. Let me just quickly share my screen. Let's let's sure. dive into this. Yeah, let's look at see, it. See see if this helps get because I I don't know. This is a really good question. So I'll just bring this up and make it full screen. So this is he calls it the factor nine grid built on 432. So what do we got here? You know, we've got. Uh, well, we know that 432, 432 hertz, when we play it, is an A note, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, so we've got that here, as you can see, uh, the second column of the A note. Um, and then how these, what these sound like and how these transmute outwards. I, I think he's doing octaves, but I could be wrong. I'm not sure. Yeah, that's because half of 432 to 16 is an octave below. So um Stand by, and I yep. can do this here. To make sure I've got some volume. There's 432. Yep, perfect. There is 216. That is 108. Gotcha. This is 94. But 432, what we're looking for, 432 is a fifth above this note, which is an octave above that note. So 432, at least in this setup, I've got my fifth my my octave which is d and the octave below which is d and i think that we might be talking about 288 if this is correct for that note right there 
Is that a D? That's a D. So 432 is the second harmonic of D below middle C. This is getting really technical, people. Follow along if you've got a keyboard. And then, of course, the next up the harmonic would be... Right? Major chord. So that kind of takes the math out of it. So 432 hertz is the second harmonic, <laughs> right? Yeah. Of this note, D, which is one, 288 hertz. Yeah. 288 yeah. adds up to uh, 1678, which reduces to 9, right? Yeah. Yeah. So there is a fundamental nineness in all of this, but 288 does not add to add up to the number of angles in a or the number of degrees in a geometric shape that's regular. No. So <laughs> but you can reduce it down to one that does. Sort of. Yeah, maybe it's <laughs> that it's maybe it's because the the geometry is the foundation and now we're getting into more complexity but it with a with a root of 9 with a root and foundation of something that would still become a geometric shape uh, sure, yeah. i don't uh, but i but mean it's... you could have decided to build the entire grid on anything that was a uh, that reduced to nine you could build it on 324 or 200 uh 270 and well, get then maybe the that's results right so but i guess then it's like once you're dealing with this whole nine grid it's like 432 maybe becomes a little less um important and more the the most important thing is the nine because every other number that's going to come out of this relates to the number nine in some way versus 432 is just now an a note in this whole big spectrum right but it, i don't know it does speak to me though chris because what this says is that if you tune to 432 all the notes in at least to our consonant western way of interpreting music reduce down to nine yes as opposed yes. to tuning to 440, where that, that doesn't happen. Decibels, you get lots of 0 0.01, whatever. Like things get um, not as elegant, let's say, mathematically. Yeah. And, you know, to be kind here to uh, to Dr. Rankin, um, all of this stuff reduces to decimals too. So he's rounded up to get the whole hertz here. And that's fine. We, we don't have to talk about, you know, tenths or one hundredths of hertz because our ears can't hear that stuff. <laughs> You yeah. Know, yeah. We have a hard enough time hearing this between 440 and 432. But um, for whatever rounding purposes, it doesn't make a whole lot of difference because no. audibly, consonantly, it works. You know? So, I mean, here, I'll stop sharing here. But uh, yeah, I mean, this is this, it just, it provokes a lot of thoughts in my mind as to almost the, phys the physicality of the, the physicality. Music. So, help me make the jump here because what we're saying is that for some reason, the consonants of the sacred shapes, the constants of geometry itself is more healthful for our human systems than the consonants of the sort of fractured 440? Well, that's what I would, that's my conclusion. Mm -hmm. This is, again, something that we, I love being able to talk about here on this show because we obviously don't fully, I'm not even going to say no, I'm going to say remember because it just seems that we really understood this why, why were we always building these cathedrals and these churches and these temples right, with, that align with sacred geometry? Perfectly with sacred geometry. Well, and, I mean, there's a, the, sept, the skeptic could say we build them that way because if we didn't, they'd fall down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? we but as we know, three angles for things to stand up. <laughs> right. But we also, we also built a lot with, 
with circles and, True, and, yes. and curves. True. And we took we took that sacred geometry. Sacred geometry is all about the circles. Yeah. Um, geometry is all about the straight lines and you know the squares, the, the triangles, etc. So ancient sites, particularly uh, Gothic cathedrals, are a great example that uh, you have a background. I know for your Zoom profile here that has them. Uh, we were looking at that earlier, and it was distracting me because of how beautiful sacred geometry looks when you're looking at it in these these circular sh sort of shapes. And when I was in Barcelona, I mean, my goodness, the Gothic cathedrals there are just exploding with these circular sacred geometry patterns uh, sure. that are uh, just amazing. And at the same time, I listened to music at these these Gothic cathedrals, and the acoustics were, for lack of a better term, <laughs> awe-inspiring. Right. and gave right. you a, a very spiritual very otherworldly sensation and you know we have to ask the questions is there a correlation between a physical structure that takes into account sacred geometry and then the music that involves sacred geometry let's say if it's tuned to 432 hertz and you use them both together are you going to create like a supernatural reality or a the young calls it the superconscious, you know, when you can kind of transcend this this reality with your consciousness. Uh, does that is that one way to do that when you combine the sound and the physical and and take their fundamental mathematics and then boom, put them together? Was this what the ancients were doing? Was this what churches were originally designed for? And then is that how these things like miraculous healing, self-healing, healing from sound, healing from just being in a uh, a place with certain energetics and frequencies. Is that what it's doing? Is it is it realigning us to our basic fundamental um, truth, which is, I don't know, these sacred shapes? I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> I don't know. Can you bring that same chart back up for a second? Because Absolutely. Uh, there's a, a meme going around right now. It's a video meme right now, real, about 528 hertz. Yes. And how that's the love frequency, right? And mm -hmm. I just want to look on this chart, see if we can find 528 hertz. Are, could you see it any place? Not yet. No, I don't see it here. Not, right? No, it's not here. So maybe 432 hertz is like, you know, a fundamental nineness, but 528 hertz is, well, let's look, let's look through the chart. So it's somewhere between a C and a C sharp, right? Yeah, that's exactly it. And it does that, not reduce to nine. The and number. it doesn't reduce to nine. And yet it's very important to the people like the solfeggio tones people are, are really important uh, around that particular number of hertz. So obviously there must be other, what do you want to call this? A, a way of tuning? Like a tuning algorithm? Yeah, almost like a let's maybe an, a geometrical tuning system. Geometric tuning system, yeah, something yeah. like that. But you know, for my money, or um, that that's hardly any at all. But it seems to me that if we're going to talk about uh, anything quantum, it's a buzzword. But if we talk about anything quantum, it's got to somehow be tied into geometry. Yeah, in in a fundamental way, and if these particular numbers of hertz are tied into geometric shapes that anyone can understand. Um, and those geometric shapes basically are reductions of the hologram that is E8. Okay, people look this up. If you're not with me, Klee Irwin, his group has done a bunch of work on quantum gravity. But our holographic world is basically a, a, 
a simulation of what E8 really is. But mathematically, if we reduce that marvelous thing down to where we are now in 3D and reduce from there down to shapes in 2D, it seems consistent to me that they would be nine-based. You know what I'm saying? Rather than some arbitrary thing that doesn't have a scalable or an exponentiable, if that's a word, uh, value to it. Nothing this wrong with 528, great. by the way. I'm not dissing 528. I'm just saying, you know. I think they can both coexist together. And well, they have I've, to, right? They have to. And so here's a couple of thoughts. This is great, Bill. I love what you're, you're saying here because so the first thought is that you know, I've heard of the number, I believe it's 137 and I can't quite remember, but there's like, um, there's a mathematical symbol that relates to, I think a lot of things with gravity. And I, I just watched this recently with, uh, it's uh, Robert Edward Grant was going on about this and comparing it to uh, some Leonardo da Vinci work and the Great Pyramid and all this really interesting stuff. And so 137, you know, that doesn't, you know, that's not a, um, a divi division of nine um but yet it's found one one over 137 is a significant formula in mathematics and in a lot of other things found in nature so that shows you that once again not everything has to be this reduces to nine for it to still exist and and work in our in our fabric of the of reality but sure, the interesting sure. thing about the, the thing about nine though the thing about nine is that it's the perfect number to represent the holographic nature of our universe because what is a hologram when you look on your visa card for example um you see that there's like a bird or a little hologram on the card or things like that so what you're seeing on a hologram is a whole bunch of little versions of the larger sum Yes, of that every, hologram every all image packed together packed into the same hologram right exactly it's all fractal based it's all it's 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 larger self is reduced into a smaller version to then make up the large bit of the hologram just wrap your head around that for a second and so what number would best represent this when it's super super large like the big big holographic version or at its most reduced state it's the same thing that would be the number nine right it's really the only number that can actually explain the holographic universe well let's jump out of 2d for a second because in order to grasp this you have to be in 3d you know what you see sound waves right and they typically mm -hmm. look like 2d but in reality they're three-dimensional they're spheres they're yeah spheres right? is a circle yeah. it's not circles so much as it is spheres and intersections of spheres is where um where we get music it's not called the music of the spheres you know mm. for it's, nothing it's the music of the circles it's the music of the spheres right so yes um, and there's some mathematical stuff about the 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 only shape that you can pack most densely into a fixed container is a, is a sphere, right? It's like packing oranges in a crate. There's a reason they pack like that, and um, that's mathematical. And there's reason that atoms are round. I mean, I'm oversimplifying here, right? But um, if we think about it, the sphere is where it all comes together, and it's the space in which we hear best. Right. Everybody wants to play in the dome out here in Joshua Tree because right. it's got that beautiful. And um, David Hikes and the Harmonic Choir recorded a bunch of things inside domes, like that domed structure. Uh, there's lots of places where you can go and meditate in domes and uh, geodesic domes, earthen domes. And there's a holiness about that space. So um, he didn't get into it, but I wonder what the sum of the angles in a sphere turn out to be. Well, the uh, sphere, it, he was saying, well, you're right. A sphere is different than a circle. It's, right. That's sorry. So I was thinking back to circle, which is 360. 
what is a sphere? That's that's a good question. Is a it a whole multiple bunch of circles? It's a multiple. It's got to be a multiple of three hundred and sixty, though, right? right? Which is right. again back down to nine. An infinite multiple. Infinite multiple, and you're right. What you know with acoustics, like I was mentioning before, with these Gothic cathedrals, there's yeah. all these circles and archways. There's not these forty-five degree angle kind of straight rectangular shapes. When it comes to sound, it, it's always aspects of a circle or an archway uh, that give you the best acoustics for a concert venue, for a church, also to create fun acoustic anomalies where you can be talking quietly and someone way down at the other end of the, the like let's say the dome structure that you're in is going to hear you as if you're speaking, whispering right in their ear. And there's these fun little acoustics that you can, I've personally experienced in the most random places like a shopping center. I was in the food court of a shopping center that just so happened to have this dome kind of um, skylight sort of thing in the, in the uh, made of windows in, in the cafeteria. And I'm sitting and then I think I'm developing a form of schizophrenia all of a sudden because I can hear, you can hear. these conversations. When I, I looked, I'm like, is someone beside me right now? And I look and I eventually minutes later find the dialogue that I'm trying to, it's like a movie. I'm trying to match what I'm hearing with people's mouths all throughout this cafeteria that are, that are 20, 30, 40 feet away from me. And eventually I find someone on the opposite side of this dome and they're in deep conversation with their partner or something, they're a good friend. And I can hear it as if they're sitting right beside me. Just, it, freaked, yes. it freaked me out the first time I had that. I was like, what in the hell? What's going on? <laughs> what? There's, uh, you know, these exploratory museums where you can go and there's two halves of a sphere set 100 feet apart you know and it's set up that way so that if you whisper in one side the people on the other side can hear you and um that that's you know that's crazy good that's crazy good acoustically it's it's the focus of the sphere that brings the sound in to us in such a beautiful way okay now ready to blow your mind yes we all know about the yin yang right the light within the dark and the dark within the light so d d this is something that's been long forgotten in modern um, Western religion, but there is a concept that has existed from the pre-existed before Christianity came around, uh, a mystical concept of what happens when you take two circles and cross them. Like you cross the circles. I'll share my screen so that um, I don't have to try to explain this. Yeah, I was about to do the same. So thank you. So. Here we go. This thing is called a mandorla. Mandorla, right? And the idea there is that the circles overlap. First, they start like separate, and then they yep. come together and overlap. And that almond-shaped thing inside there is the mandorla. And eventually, they blend. Now, the 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 thing that's suggested here is that there's a a process by which we integrate and whether that's parts of ourselves that we bring closer together and then overlap and then finally integrate the result is the complete circle or if you want to think about this and blow your mind you can think about it as spheres overlapping too because that's how quantum gravity works but the idea of one person integrating in that way um substances uh, integrating in that way, two people integrating in that way is all about the what we call in most terms shadow work. The integration of the light and the dark until they overlap and you reach wholeness. And 
this is something that is so fundamental to sacred geometry that you can see it in the Gothic cathedrals where the sides come up and then they make that beautiful sort of part of the almond shape at the top. You can see it in a lot of art, particularly iconic uh, Christian art, but you can see it in other kinds of art as well. This, this is such a fundamental concept. Um, the shape exists everywhere. And once you start, once you know that it's there, whenever you see that shape, you go, oh, there's work happening. And Carl Jung would say, this is the shadow work, right? And it's represented in religious iconography, in sacred geometry, and almost within the teachings, although he, I don't know if he goes there or not, that Dr. Rankin is talking about with the circles, especially the flower of life. There are so many mandorlas in the flower of life. And as you were showing that, I'm like, oh my gosh, right? This is just, this, this is the flower of, this is the work of life to learn and do this process. It's not just to see it as like a pretty picture, but to move the picture and to make it actually come to life in a way that that is coalescing on itself, like, but expanding and contracting. You might say the, the way the universe expands and contracts is this giant toric shape, you know, that's always incoming and outgoing. And um, if that isn't the music of the spheres, I don't know what is. I don't know how to measure that in any kind of fundamental terms, but the fact that it starts with the circle with wholeness 360, it starts with actually two circles. So let's be simple in 2D, that's 720 total degrees, right? And, re and integrates to 360 total degrees, um, which of course reduces down to nine, blah, blah, blah. But that shape is, is everywhere. Once you see that mandorla shape, you'll start to recognize it in every construction out there that has any sacred purpose at all. And it's a beautiful uh, symbol. I love all that, Bill. It's, it's a beautiful symbol of, in a sense, like duality. And then when duality is fully realized back to singularity or, yes. Yes. or, or it goes into the Trinity, which is the combination of the two to create the third, the triangle, which is, yes. I, I just made it an Illuminati, I think, symbol there or something. Oh, no, no, that's either way. No, but it is like it's at the top of the the triangle is where the two male and female energies come together to produce life or whatever you want to input into that. But it's uh, it really to me, I was seeing like one circle. Okay, is the singularity? Two circles, great. That becomes duality, masculine, feminine, dark, light, etc. And then they converge, and as they converge and they merge, you could go either reduce back to the singularity. Or you've now merged to create that trinity two and two now has got a third component to it. You created new life, new form. And what happens with the, the trinity is that we've now got physical reality. We have three, one angle, two angle, three angle at the top to create a triangle, which is the first real shape you can make uh, when it comes to having angles, which is now in the third dimensional reality. Yes. So you've got those, that's, we're not 2d. Now the two circles come together to form what's like, to me, like third dimensional reality, which is the same process your cells, you know, through mitosis and, um, through duplication in your body, they're doing the exact same thing. I mean, as above, yes. so below it's, it's just crazy to see, Oh my God, the connections. My mind is being kind of obliterated right now. And it feels and remember, great. <laughs> it's spheres, not actually 2Ds. It's, so it's actual, it's like taking two oranges, being able to merge them together to form a single Correct. orange. But it's more than just one orange. It's like two become three, like you're saying. 
because it's the independent one too. And the, the third thing is that Mandorla shape is it blends back to unity. Yeah. Uh, so yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and this is so far <laughs> beyond music. I mean, music is just some lame way we have of being able to express this stuff. You a know? beautiful way. I, I, it's oh, a beautiful, it's beautiful. way. I mean, I, I know. I know what you're saying. You know what I'm saying? I know music, art, whatever. I don't know any music that's been written. This Mandorla music specifically, it's been written like this, but certainly composers that played in those Gothic cathedrals would have been aware of these concepts because this is, this is very pagan people. I mean, this is, this predates Christianity here. This is stuff that's oh, been around. This is oof, inception you know. of life as we know it, basically. I, you know, one thing I will say is, uh, which is interesting, I mean, there's people that have certainly known about this throughout history. It's quite clear when you look at some of these, say, the Ascended Masters, for example, or sure, geni yeah. just geniuses like Da Vinci and stuff throughout time that seem to constantly encode these things in all of their work. I would also say in modern times, you get little hints of it through movies like 2001 A Space Odyssey sure, yeah. and the and the use of the famous song, is it by Strauss that opens up? Oh, yeah. Up? Also, dun, 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 dun. You know, those are harmonics. Those are harmonics. And guess what key that is in? Well, I was going to say C, which is 528. Am I wrong? No, I'm pretty sure. And I don't quote me on this, but I'm almost positive the key of that song is F sharp. Oh, that would and make what, sense. And you what did we known. just learn about F sharp, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. It, you know, again, audience, let me know if I'm wrong on that one, but I'm almost positive that Strauss's famous song that is the featured song in 2001 in Space Odyssey that basically describes the creation of the universe right. and the beginning of everything in life and existence just so happens to have the incremental dun, dun, dun. The harmonics. Ah, you know, the harmonics yeah. that we just heard in geometry and just so happens the key in which they decided to do that song is the key of F sharp, which we just learned is the sum of those angles of all geometry, basically. He's brilliant because instead of leaving the 10th, the, the second harmonic, as a major 10th, he immediately hits it and then, and then diminishes da -da, it by half. Yeah, da-da. Da -da. You don't get the full major chord until the, the climax of the of the particular melody right yes so he delays that whole thing mm -hmm. so it's um I, you know i'm all about, i'm a process guy right so i want to see more than just a single tone i want to see how that tone moves and strauss is brilliant because he takes the tone and then delays the resolution of it he keeps flattening you know the natural harmony to make us want it more when we hear it finally at the end da 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 you know, this giant thing, and it comes in a big major chord, the way that uh, Dr. Rankin's talking about in the harmonic sequence. I wanted to try to pull that up as you're talking. Oh, so... yeah. By the way, I'm making notes. I'll link all this stuff. I want to put the clear and uh, quantum gravity video in here. I want to put also Sprach Zarathustra in here. Um, I can link to Mandorla in here so that. You know, if you're watching or listening right now, you'll have something you can refer to in the YouTube video or in the audio. And you can go and like, you know, follow these amazing rabbit trails later on. Yeah, did, this, did is a, this is a, I did find it. Let's, uh, I'll, I'll queue it up here. I'll screen share, share this. And for the, again, those watching and listening, um, just take a step, step, step back and, and maybe just allow all the insane amount of information that we've been throwing at you today to just sort of distill, like don't, don't overthink it. But just kind of hold it in your mind. And then let's listen to this piece with, let's say, a, a fresher perspective now and what this really could mean. 
So here we are, the opening of 2001 Space Odyssey. No real visuals here, um, but most importantly, the music. Ugh, so good. Oh my gosh. So dude, I looked it up. It's in the love frequency, 528. Wow. But you know what? Who cares? Because well, that's interesting. You could retune just a little bit and put it in 432. But um, okay, so uh who is this? It's by um who we uh, Strauss, 1884, 1894. He 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 very well could have written this to be played in 432 hertz. Yes, yeah. Right. So even though it's in the tonality of C, hey, no problem, people. It's all good. Because in at 432, the tonality of C would have been in line with the um with everything we've just talked about. Right, right. To oversimplify. Right. Uh, so, no shade, dude. I, I want to hear it now at F sharp. Right? right? I know. I know. I totally want to hear that. So um that's the key that we heard it in. It would have it would have been a little higher in F sharp. Yeah. Which yep. is tritone away from um from the key of C. Wow, okay, we don't want to get into that stuff. <laughs> Another episode. Another episode. But Another episode. uh wow. Oh, Very so interesting. yeah, people. What a powerful piece of music. And my dad took me to see that when I was a kid. I didn't understand what was going on in two thousand one. The vigils were amazing. But it grows on you, right? Oh yeah, it grows on oh, you. Yeah. And now I want to hear. You know, I played. Da, 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 da. I played the the close encounters of the third close, kind yeah. in the key of G. I'm not sure exactly what key that's in. I've just always played it in G. I don't know why, but maybe it's mm. in F sharp. <laughs> I mean, again, it's like we have other keys for a reason too. So it's not that everything has to be F sharp this, F sharp that for it to yeah. have significance. It's just if anything, maybe it's like again, kind of like the like nine. It's the baseline. It's the foundation 
and then things the spheres the music of the spheres emanates out of that foundation yes uh you know what i mean so obviously all the other keys have a lot of importance have a lot of significance it is kind of cool to think about how different notes and different keys will have different feelings and i sure. know lots of lots of composers are aware of that a lot of a lot of dance uh music you know has certain keys that they just it, it just feels the juiciest feels the best in like yep. d or other things like that where it just just is that right so there's a significance there there's there's something to say about all the keys all the notes uh they make up the complexity of life and of course that's just the western scales like we know in indian and many middle eastern and east and just straight up eastern um types of music they have about three to four notes within what we would have as one semitone tones stuff like that exactly and by the way if you're interested in microtones uh, jacob collier is a master of this stuff the dude can sing them no, man. And sing them constantly. Remember when Dirk Down, he did a solo piece where he was playing like the drums and singing and the keyboard or whatever. It's just, it's the same video setup, but it's microtonal. And um, it's it's just really moving to hear what's available in this stuff. Oh, just man. So beautiful. What a guy. Shoot, I'm going to put that in there. Um, people are never going to come back and watch any more of us. They'll be so... Uh, <laughs> they got too many rabbit holes to go down. <laughs> yeah. We'll see you in three years, people. <laughs> yeah. Come on back to the podcast when you've, uh, you know, ascended to new levels of consciousness. Here. Seriously. So um, so what have we accomplished here today? So I, I love pushing limits on this stuff and understanding. You've really opened up uh, my understanding of how the Sacred Nine music, I'll just, I don't call it that, right, um, fits uh, within our within our get along here when it comes to music right so i would rather hear things at 432 if i hear happen here at 440 okay so fine right but you've really made the case for me and convinced me in a way that it is holistic chris around the importance of 432 hertz music whether or not i can hear it right it doesn't matter i can hear the difference it feels more um cognitively right <laughs> is that a weird way? I was like trying to match emotions and match it in I my like head it. at the same time, right? I like that, you know? I, Because I, I, how do you put it into language? It's a feeling. It's a feeling, yeah. It's a feeling. And by the way, uh, there are apps out there, if you're interested in this, folks, uh, you can get these apps and they'll actually convert all your music so you can hear it at whatever tonal center you'd like. You want to hear the same song, at, you know, recorded by some band at 440, just move the dial and it plays back at 432. The Beatles did this a lot. They were famous actually for slowing down the tape just a little bit. Yep. You know, so that the so the music would come out in between C and C sharp, right? Yes. Or whatever, whatever particular tonal center they were working at. So so do that. It's fun. Um and uh I'd love to hear and you know you can see the videos on this stuff, but I'd love to hear individually back, you know, how is it to listen to your favorite music at 432 versus 440? Yeah, simple experiment, but uh, but easy to do. And if you are a musician and you want to get even more into it, you know, what does it feel like writing music at the, the same song at 440 versus 432? Um, yeah, we just love to hear because it it's subtle. It, it is it's definitely subtle. subtle. Yeah. And fortunately, and... you know, we can we can tune our keyboards easily now to do this. You've got albums out at 432. I've got one out at 432. Um, it's not hard. You play the same notes. Yeah. It's just the pitches coming from the keys are different these days. So it's the foundation again. It's that foundational frequency starting at 432 instead of 440. All of a sudden, 432 now is the we're in nine heaven, you know, where <laughs> yeah. everything everything <laughs> the reduces nine circles of heaven, man. Yeah, well, it's everything reduces perfectly to its original source of nine, and it's just like uh, again, I have to say, I'm on a mathematical level, 
it's just so beautiful. It's so it's so, so perfect in that sense. Perfect. You know, you're like, well, I mean, why wouldn't I just stick with this one? <laughs> right. You know, and then we didn't even get into the significance of the actual number 432 and how it completely com perfectly relates to the speed of light, the diameter of the sun, the moon. Planet yeah, because Earth. sacred geometry, right? Once, All, once you yeah. once you go with geometry, you lock into everything. One hundred percent. It's automatic. You're just there. <laughs> I think right. it's when you you square four hundred thirty-two. I believe is when you get the sum of the speed of light, which is crazy. You're just like, what is going on? Sweet, makes yeah. sense. Makes right? sense. It's all connected. Oh man. So yeah. I think for me, the the takeaway for myself is to just start seeing music, and I and I'm using the word seeing music vision, yes. in this visual, physical, geometric way that I don't think I had consciously looked at it before in that in that way where what i'm building a chord i'm building a shape it's this yes. physical shape yes. yes it's you're building this 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 triangle that then is within a square with within a circle that's within a tetrahedron or whatever right there's there's shapes now coming out of this music and i i feel like i just did a psychedelic because i feel like when i'm going to start practicing for some gigs coming up now i'm going to be hearing and seeing the music and these geometric forms now flying out of the uh, the piano as I as I practice and perform. I mean, this is just wild, wild stuff, and yet fundamentally scientifically true, and even more so, seems to have a deep spiritual truth to it, where it's all connecting. Everything's coming back to math, science, spirituality. All are the same. They're all describing. In, in different languages, the same fundamental truths of reality, in a sense. Yes. And that's the most incredible thing I could ever, ever think of. <laughs> what an amazing gift, man, to be the curators of moving these shapes, these musical shapes through our art, you know, and yeah. offering them to people for their use and consumption. It's beautiful. It's, it's an honor moment. to be, to be, um, I, I would say now at this point, I really feel it's an honor to be a, a musician. I like to really juxtapose it with the word magician. They're so similar. And honestly, that from the way they sound to the way that I truly feel like music is magic, you know, and magic's just what we don't understand. It's, it's phenomenon that we don't get or understand. And even more so magic's the power of intention with attention and we're going to, we, we, as musicians can be using and for all those musicians and you know what, for all the humans listening to this and non-humans for that matter, uh, you know, music is something that we, we all have access to. We can also all create it and anyone can, can sit down on a piano and play an F sharp and then an A sharp and then a C sharp and then another F sharp. And you've got an F sharp major chord. Anyone can do that. Just all the black keys on the keyboard people. And all of a sudden, now you are playing the foundations of physical reality. I mean, come on. How cool is that? How cool is that? <laughs> That's amazing. Well, thanks, Bill. I think this was, uh, I mean, my brain is just on fire right now from this episode. Thank you so much for all your insights because your questions and, and you know, like kind of, well, your questions, uh, questioning the, the logic of this, how this all connects, that helped me get into my new perspective now at the end of this episode where... I'm really starting to see the dots and the complexity because like we mentioned earlier, there's other numbers that come out of this whole nine thing that aren't reduced to nine and yet very, very important. And maybe in other episodes, we can dive into, into some of those perhaps more, you know? 
Yes. So. And and good luck if you're out there. Uh, grab with this because there's an elegant simplicity to it. So don't overthink it. Yeah, right. Let it feel. Let it come to you intuitively and let it resonate. And you'll know. You'll know. Absolutely. So thanks everybody for watching again, please uh, like, like, subscribe, comment, leave us uh, any messages that you want. You have our contact information in the show notes, check out all the links that we've supplied and uh, make sure you tune in next time to the next episode of discussions of music, healing and consciousness. And uh, on behalf of myself, I just want to say thank you for listening and Bill, thank you so much for, for just co-hosting with me for all this time. Every, every episode is, is a mind expansion and a, and a, and a consciousness expansion for myself so thank you sir i really appreciate it truly you're so welcome chris it's a pleasure doing this look forward to the next one all right everybody stay Aho. tuned with Aho. take care